News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio where you want it, when you want it. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. My name is Jay Thomas. With me, like always, Rick and Jill Van Dyke. Good morning, guys. Good, Good morning. morning. Hey, here we are. The big May long weekend. This yep. is the big one, right? This is like... It's this like the, is the kickoff to spring. It's like the Super Bowl of planting, right? You know, yeah. this is the big one, right? So we're at our peak. Um, you, if you walk through the greenhouse right now, there's plants everywhere. We literally have them stuffed in every nook and cranny right now. And, uh, I, think, <laughs> I think last night for most of the province was finally the last night we had to, you know, kind of cover worried, things. Worried about covering things, or I'm just Cross looking at the temperature fingers. here in Regina. It's like. You know, tonight is plus three, Monday's plus f- plus four, yeah. Tuesday's plus six, Wednesday's plus 11, nine. So that's Regina. And then Saskatoon, you know, the plus temperatures is uh, tonight is plus five, plus five, plus seven, so, plus eight, plus eight. So you not know what? super warm, but above freezing. But now above we're freezing. ready to get the garden in. Yes. Right. The only thing at the watch for if you put tomatoes and cucumbers in. Um, just I would still make sure you harden them harden off them first. Off. Yeah, harden them off. So what, hardening off means what, Jill? Putting them out during the day, bringing them in at night. And for how many days? I would probably do four to five days. Four sure. to five days. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, And a lot of people have started that already. Yes. Right? So if that's the case, then they're ready to go in the ground. Okay. Right? Now, so. I've had like my planters. I planted a few pots. I put some um, pansies and some... Uh, some salvia in my pots in front of my house with some pussy willow because I just mm. couldn't handle seeing them empty. Yep. And they've been in there for about two to three weeks now, and I haven't covered them once, and they've survived the frost. So that's pretty good, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, and and, and yeah, it's, we got some plants in from British Columbia, and just little tips of them got you just burned a bit from the frost. Oh, too bad. So you can tell, you know, but uh, but I mean, you know, they're okay. Um, but You can do some light trimming on them if that oh, happens. Oh, yeah, spireas and that kind of stuff. I'm not worried about it. Just mm-hmm. give them a trimming and do a couple spin arounds and they'll be growing right back again. <laughs> spin arounds. <laughs> so <laughs> this is typically the weekend that uh, everything pretty much happens. Uh, we put the garden in, right? Yes. We talked about that. Is, is it flowers are ready to go out? Like as long as they're hardened off, we can do that. They can go out. Yeah. Right? So you can put a lot of your flowers that you're hardened off. The ones that you want to stay away from are like your begonias, your impatience, your coleus, your potato vine. Those ones you want to wait till your nighttime temperatures are sitting around plus 10. So um, I'm hoping we're going to get a list on our website uh, this week of sort of the different types of plants that you should wait yeah. till it's plus 10 right. outside. Your tropical so, plants, you want to wait till it's plus 10. Well, just what you just said there, that answer is a question I was going to bring up, I think, because we've got a bunch of coleus that have been grown from slips and shoots, mm-hmm. and they're in little pots, and there's a bunch of different varieties. My my sister-in-law uh, is kind of an avid uh, you know, home gardener now, and so she's been kind of giving us a bunch of different ones. There's some that had the pink in the middle, so forth, so on. But they've gone outside a couple of days and then they've done not so well after going outside. So the, the color seems to drain out of them. They kind of get sort of shrivelly. So is it just too cool? Yeah, they really don't like the cold. They like the warm soil temperatures is what they like. So that cold temperature, sometimes we'll see damping off, which is when they sort of start getting like um, wilted a little bit and they'll start almost looking like they're rotting at the base. And that's okay. from the cool temperatures. Really? Mm-hmm. So those coleus just have to wait a little bit longer. It's got to be hotter. Coleus is like an impatient or begonia. You just, there's such a, a, a 
the f- type of a, a leaf that they're on, yeah. that they, they can be affected by the temperature. Yeah. Really, really easily. So just, and, yeah. And with your vegetable plants, the ones that you should wait for are your cucumbers, corn, squash, zucchini, watermelon. Those ones, I would wait um, until your temperatures are plus 10 before you plant the bedding plants out. If you're mm. just seeding, you're good to do it now. But if you're doing the bedding plants and then with your herbs, um, basil, lavender, lemongrass, it's a little bit too early for those ones too. Okay. So there's a few in kind of all the categories we want to just avoid getting out yeah. just yet. Mm-hmm. But, just yet. But a lot of your like petunia, snapdragons, all that other kind of stuff. Pansies, marigolds. Pansies, marigolds. Absolutely. You can start planting it out now. Okay. And, um, um, the only one you want to watch out for is if you put potato vine in your baskets. That's another one that, <laughs> that, that likes to transition nicely. Oh, okay. <laughs> not, co- not a cool night the first night you put them out. Right. Even when we get those ones in early for planting our hanging baskets and we have the temperatures cooler for our perennials in our perennial house. So we will find that we will actually move the crop into the store, into the fashion department for the night oh, and really? then bring yeah. it back out during the day yeah. because otherwise if we don't, it just looks like it's like really sad and They're limp. They, they kind of hang down limp. <laughs> and then it you takes know? a few hours and it perks back perks up back again, up, and, yeah. but saying, it just doesn't look why the greatest. Why did you do that to me? Yeah. <laughs> Funny. one 332 That is the number you call or you text to join the conversation. Uh, it is the May long weekend. We've got a two-hour garden talk to, to talk to you with here, so lots of time to join the conversation. This is the first text that we got this morning. Uh, it says, good morning. Uh, I wanted to share my 87-year-old aunt's prevention of potato bugs. So this is this is what she's right. I love this. this. It's perfect. She puts three matches in the hole with the potato. She says many matches. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Out of a matchbook, three matches go in the hole. She says in the many many years she's planted her garden in the farm in uh, Glenavon or Glenavon, she's never had a potato bug. Hmm. Must be the sulfur. I was going to say maybe it's the sulfur. sulfur. Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah, that's, and that's an easy way to, cheap way to get some sulfur. Yeah, that's that's the only way I can think of it. She has sulfur that that. Interesting. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, there were some other ones that I seen uh, put a slice of onion. In with the potato. In with the, whole, in with the potato, right when you plant them. Put do a your, slice of onion. Do your potatoes taste like onions after well, you're done? Well, then so what? You have pierogies right away. Right? <laughs> I love hearing success stories like that and some different ways that we can garden. So if you have any of those today, I would yeah. please call in or text us and let us know how you've been successful yeah. with them taking so many things off the market um, in Canada, which is a good thing. Um, but we're running... Out of some things to to sort of protect our plants from mm-hmm. these bugs, so I like to hear some of these home remedies. Um, we can't necessarily offer them in the garden center, so it's nice to do the, those types of things on the show. The, in, the industry is working on trying to get a cultivar of potato that will actually repel the really the bugs. So they're mm-hmm. they're coming closer to that, and so then that will be out in the future. I don't know what variety it will be, you know, whether it be a white or a red potato or mm-hmm. whatever. Yep. But uh, once they figure that out, then they can then they can move it to other other plants as well. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. This is Cameron in uh, North Battleford. Says I was wondering if it's too late in the spring to transplant some Saskatoonberry bushes. No, absolutely. Actually, transplant. So they're in the ground, and you're moving it one place to the other in your well, yard. He used the word transplant. transplant. That's all okay, I know. Okay, so if you're buying it from the garden center, you can do it all summer long. Okay? Right. Uh, if you're moving in your yard, it's almost getting too late. Okay. Okay. Because the, right now the Saskatoons are going to be start blooming. You know. Probably in the next week or so. If you, I'm just looking out at the, at at the, at the lake here. Um, Riverbank. The Riverbank. That's what I, I live at the lake. So you live at the lake. So at the <laughs> Riverbank, and so 
a lot of things have butted out quite a bit already, and so the problem is you want you want to if you're going to move it, you better move it like this weekend. And if you don't and you want to move it, you're just probably not going to get berries this year. Is no, that correct, you, or will it kill the plant? No, if you move it when it's in full leaf, it won't make it. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, it won't make it when it's in full. So leaf. that's the difference. I just want that's, to make sure nope. that if they move it, they're just like, oh well, nope. I won't get berries for a year. No, no, but. no. If you move it when it's in full leaf, it it actually will stress it so much it it probably will die. Okay. Here's yeah. another similar question. Who's uh, it's from Mark and Bigger. We're going to transplant, again, he uses the word transplant, some 8 to 12-inch spruce trees. Yes. Some have earth, some bare root. Should we put alfalfa pellets in the bottom Uh, of the hole? I did that to all my spruce trees, little ones, big ones, everything last last spring. How much? He asks how much? Because it's an 8 to 12-inch little plant, right? 8 to 12-inch little plant. I Basically, I put about a half a handful around the plant. In the hole. That's a good measuring stick. Yeah. Right? A half a handful. <laughs> your half, your, your hands are hers. <laughs> <laughs> half a handful. And the big ones, I put a whole bunch, all my big, you know, uh, you know, anywhere from six to 10 foot, 12 foot trees, I, I put quite a bit around them. Do you put it in the hole with I them? Put it before, as I was burying it, I layered it. Okay. So I put some, you know, put, I put some... Um, kind of like what you do with the mic product, yeah, right? Yeah, so I put some in the, in the soil in the, the hole, and yeah. I put some mics right up against the root ball, and I put some more, and I put some more mic. Because you know those, it looks as the roots come out of the out of the root ball and go sideways. It goes sideways, horizontal. It, it all yeah. of a sudden it gets all these microbes, all these because the, the alfalfa will start breaking down. Right. So and, and the microbes are there, and it'll start feeding like so crazy. La- layer it like a cake, and yep. with the alfalfa pellets like, and the mics, which yeah, is the not, bacteria. Not a ton each layer, just a little bit, yep. you know. Yep. And um, and it's 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 huge. Like I see all my spruce trees starting to perk up right now and the color mm-hmm, looks good mm-hmm. on them and everything so and i did that last year okay we've got a text from pat and another one about roses that we're going to get to as well so stick around more to come looks like we've got rhoda who's giving us a call moose just so we'll get a call when we get back to join the conversation one 332 8255 you're listening to garden talk on 980 cjme and 650 ckom the long weekend is here even the weather is actually kind of shaped up not too bad around most of the province. Welcome back to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke, and we're, well, I hope you're, hope, hoping you're getting some time to yourself. I know I'm going to be out in the garden just after the show today. Like, what are you doing today? Wow. It's cleanup. It's, it's still some cleanup. We've got the lawn going. That stuff's happening, but I've got it edging around my, my backyard. That's kind of like a gravel edge within a, a yep. brick that separates the lawn from that so you can yep. run the run the lawnmower right on top of the brick it's sunk into the ground but you know you get leaves in the gravel so i gotta get the vac the the lawn or the vacuum i say yep. vacuum it's a it's a leaf blower but you yep. can you know yep. you can suck up things with it i gotta do that we gotta go through the the beds and kind of renew the mulch and kind mm-hmm. of clean up pick some of the little weeds that have showed up and you know all the all the little shrubs that are in our flower beds still have some of the crunchy last year's leaves on them. They are all coming coming back, but I want to just kind of clean that all up yep. and yeah, now tidy it up. Yeah, now time to do some light pruning on your shrubs, mm, yeah. trying to get Have some of pr- that winter yeah. kill off. Your Have perennials, you, f- you want to make sure that you've pruned off all the old growth from yeah, last exactly. year because they come up right from the ground. So if you don't do that right away, they're just going to start coming it's up through that. It's getting late for that, but for yeah. a while, I was looking at the perennials and, and even some of the grasses that, that weren't pruned. And the grass is coming up through the dead grass. So now when you trim it off, you're going to be cutting off some of your new grass. Oh. So, so you like to do so, that sooner than later. It's okay, though, to, to prune those in the fall, right? Like I've got hostas, for example, and they just get cut down 
to the bottom. Most of my perennials, I'm actually pruning in the fall. In the okay. fall, I just like a clean start in the spring. Yeah. I'll leave stuff like my Carl Forrester grasses up because I like the hoarfrost on them. And, okay, and, and I'm totally opposite from her because I'll leave everything down huh. in in the fall because I like because nature drops all those leaves down for a reason, right? right? It acts as a mulch for the plants protection, right? Especially a big hosta. Yeah. And, but the only bad deal about that, and I understand what Jill's doing, because it's so nice to clean up in the fall. Because in the spring, they're all mushy. They are. They're, they're yucky. mushy. They're so yucky and mushy, right? That's and why in, I do it. And in my yard, I have a nice thick layer of cedar mulch. Cedar mulch. And so do I. So, yeah. so I think that yeah. adds for extra insulation. Yeah. But if you don't, you just have black dirt, yeah. dirt then that extra set of leaves does yeah. help with snow cover. My hostas are already big. Are they? And they're out. Awesome. Yeah. They're like... They're opening. Yeah. They're not quite laid out yet. You know the big, the big leaves mm-hmm. yet, but they're all standing up. They're probably yeah. a foot tall already. Really? <laughs> yep. Wow! You have the perfect environment for day lilies. That's you know it's funny. I have a neighbor and a friend, uh, Kayla, and she's so jealous. She lives a bl- half a block away. She can't get hostas to grow in her yard, whatever the reason is. And <laughs> and now. <laughs> Ours are coming up. She's always yeah. mad when she Yard sees them. Yard envy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've got lots of texts to get to. Pat, Derek as well. We've got Andy, who's in Melfort, waiting there. We're going to get to his call in a second. But right now, out to Moose Jaw to talk to Rhoda. Hello, Rhoda. Hi. I'm wondering what to do with my amaryllis. I I had it in the closet over the winter, and I brought it out probably the middle of November um, to the end of December. And nothing really happened, no leaves or nothing until, say, January, February. And now I, and I had four big, beautiful flowers. Now I got four big, healthy looking leaves. Do I leave them there until they fall off? Like other years, they've, they've kind of got yellow and then I just take them off. Yes, that's exactly what you're supposed to do with them. So you can enjoy them, enjoy the leaves, have them grow in your garden kind of in the east side is perfect if you want to put them outside or keep them in your house. And then you want to start decreasing your watering, I'd probably say in September, October, and then put it back into cold storage for about six to eight weeks again. And then that's what will produce your blooms again for you. And right now, if you want to, you can put that, that you can actually put the whole pot and everything outside, okay? Uh, once, once temperature is a little bit warmer than it is right now, okay, for nighttime temperatures, put it outside and some people even plant them into the garden and then bring them up in the fall, okay? The reason why is because those leaves you want to leave on now because it, they're putting energy back into your bulbs so you can produce all those beautiful flowers next year, okay? Yeah, the bulb seems to be quite big now. Yeah, that's, that's like perfect. I transplanted it a couple of years ago. Yep. So now you want to even give it just a, a like even a little bit of the alfalfa pellet tea or something like that, some fertilizer, so it can actually build up as energy reserve for next year. And then when you take it out and when you when you take it out of your pot and store it um, this late summer, just a minute. Take yep. it out of my pot and store it? I stored it in the pot. You can store it in yeah, the pot, either way. too. Either way. Oh, okay, okay. But what I, what I do like doing, though, is that it, when, you, when you bring, if you leave it in storage, and you in, let's say you brought it out in November, right? Mm-hmm. Is even if you took it out of the pot and put it back into the same pot again. Oh, you okay. give it that like, because you know how yours would came never came till January or February, right? Right. But if you do right. that little bit of a stress test, what I call a stress test, it gives them a little bit of stress by taking it out of the pot and just putting it right back in the pot again. Is that that'll give it that stress where it'll start putting its bloom up again? So when do I take it out of the pot? Right, right. The same time was when you bring it up. You know, when you bring it out of the dark. You know, when you, was oh, that you okay. said that you said basically I always like, like think about October. Okay. okay? 
and just pop it out of the pot, even put some new soil around it, whatever, and then put it back in the pot again. And then well, you, what would happen if I put it in a bigger one? Yeah, you could do that too. Just make sure oh, okay. you don't go any yeah. any bigger yeah. than was, two inches bigger in diameter than the size of the bulb. Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 Sounds good. Yeah, I think I'll do that. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rhoda. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We've been talking about getting the garden going, that sort of stuff this morning so far, and uh, we're going to go to Melfort right now and talk to Andy because he's got some good questions with this. Good morning, Andy. Good <laughs> morning. How are you? Good. good how are you? Good. I have two questions, if that's okay. Yep. So I moved to an acreage about uh, four years ago, and I've been planting a garden ever since. But uh, the first question is, I've been finding a lot of glass shards in my garden, uh, like broken beer bottles, broken dishes and stuff. I was just wondering if there's a reason behind that, that the people who used to live here before put uh, glass in the garden, like to get rid of worms or slugs or whatever. No, maybe. they just had too many garden parties. <laughs> okay, possibly. <laughs> so, so there's no reason why, like, from a gardener's standpoint, that we would have glass in a garden. No, okay. no. Okay, yeah, no. Probably picked out like four ice cream pails full of glass already. Whoa! Yeah, the, the only reason yeah. they would do it is they're trying to stop cutworms. Okay. Right. That'd be the only reason. But I, uh, you it's can not. Do other things. You can do diatomaceous earth. You can do a whole bunch of things. But Egg glass shells. shards. If you're have your, if you're digging out the carrots and that kind of stuff, and you got glass shards and. Yeah, um, no, I, I, not a good. I think just. I don't, to, I I think, don't find there. <laughs> I'll just go with had a good garden party. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> second question is is that uh, I've got an extremely amount of weeds that grow in say July and August. Is there anything that I can put in the garden to get rid of the weeds that will not affect my crop? Like I think the portulaca is getting like, out of hand. Yeah, there's one thing that works really well. You should put yourself in the garden and you pick them. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, you don't help this weekend. <laughs> the no. other thing that you can do is if you have space that you yeah. can have uh, enough space between your rows to run a small road tiller through, then you, it's yeah. easier for you to but, keep those weight. But not portulaca. Portulaca, if you road till it <laughs> under, you'll get it. They'll you'll, just go deeper. No, yeah. no, you'll make more. Yeah. You'll make more. So portulaca, you've got to pick and put it into a pail. I always just have, just have a pail in the garden, and when you see one, pick it, and, and that's the rule. You go into the garden, you see a portulaca, pick it and put it in the pail. And yeah, uh, because otherwise, if you just leave them on top of the ground, they'll actually go. If they if they went into flower, they actually will go into seed, and, and they have the seeds still. Okay, so um, so you have to pick it and put it into a pail. You don't want to use a, a corn gluten or any pre-emergent herbicides because you will not for two years be able to plant a garden there, right? Okay. So so yeah. sorry, it's those type of weeds you got to pick by hand. Take a little roundup on or, a paintbrush. Or, or mulch between the rows. If you don't want to yeah. rotate, just put mulch between the rows, and then you cut down your areas, too. That, and that mulch is good for the garden. Yep, exactly. True. Okay. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Andy. Take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We've got tons of text to get to, so we're gonna actually get to a bunch of texts when we get back. Let's see, we've got Pat in Saskatoon, Derek in Yorkton, uh, another one from Cameron in North Battleford as well, Linda in Regina, Terry in Saskatoon, Jason in Maryfield. So lots of them coming up here uh, for you, and we're looking forward to more. We got like two hours of this show today, so still an hour and a half to join the conversation. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. A news update for everybody right now. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Happy May Long Weekend and welcome back to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. We've got lots of friends to talk to today because there's all kinds of texts that have come in and we've got calls that are waiting right now. So we're going to go to Regina right now and talk to Marvin. Good morning, Marvin. 
Good morning. Good morning. You want to talk about pH in your soil? Yeah, I've got a high pH and uh, very alkaline. Okay. So, so what's your question for us? How do, what's the, what is your alkaline easy way to lower it? Okay, so, so this is in your garden or in your lawn or in your shrub garden? Garden. In garden? The garden. Garden, yeah. You're probably going to want to, if it's that high pH, you're probably going to want to add some aluminum sulfate to your, to your garden. And that's probably the fastest way to bring it down. And then uh, you'll just have to just go by the instructions. It'll tell you how to spread it out and everything else. And uh, and then you'll need to test again once you do that as well. So, but yeah, if that's the that's probably the quickest way. Uh, you can I know for potatoes and that kind of stuff, we do have a. Uh, an S90, which is a, sol- a, a elemental sulfur, which is a slow release uh, elemental sulfur. That'll help you in the long term. Okay, uh, a lot of the farmers put on an elemental sulfur, especially when they're growing canola and that kind of stuff. Okay, so uh, so it gives them more of a long term fix out in the out in the uh, out in the fields. So, um, but you can put an S90 and you can spread that out, and that'll help you more years in a row. Whereas aluminum sulfate will give you a quick fix. Okay. Where do I get aluminum sulfate? Any place? Or? Yep, aluminum sulfate. Any garden store, most garden stores will have aluminum sulfate. And uh, even uh, the the S, S, S90, the, the elemental sulfur, you're going to only find it in a few gardens. Where, where do you live? Regina. Regina? <sighs> trying to yeah. think where you're going to get it in Regina. Uh, you might be able to get it at, uh, at the Dutch Growers in Regina or... If the Dutch Growers in Regina doesn't have it, you might be able to um, mail order it from Dutch Growers in Regina or Early's in Saskatoon or closer to you is TNT Seeds in Winnipeg. And yeah. Marvin, you're yeah. using you're using like deionized water for your pH test, right? Yep. Perfect. Yep. Make sure that you use your your yeah your your distilled, your distilled wa- water. Distilled yep. water. Yeah. yeah. Actually, the, your water from your tap will throw it all out completely. Because your pH of your water in Regina, Saskatoon is probably around 8.3 right now. So that'll throw your test right out if you use tap water. And one more quick question. Yep. Uh, what's the best all-around fertilizer for a vegetable garden? For a vegetable garden, I like using more of an organic vegetable garden uh, because it's it'll give you all your, your macros like your magnesium, zinc, um, boron, everything else. That's probably the best. I mean, there is a bunch of them out there that are general purpose ones, which is NPK, which is usually around an 8, 12, uh, 6 um, type of numbers, okay? And that's a general purpose ones. But if you want better tasting and everything else, go with alfalfa pellets and go with uh, and go with a, or an organic type of a fertilizer for the garden. It'll You'll have way better results and better tasting food. Super. Okay. That's fine. There you go. All right. Thanks Thank very you. much, Marvin. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye. 1-877-332-8255. I guess that's what it's what it's about with the, with the organic stuff, right? With the, when it comes to vegetables, yep. you're actually going to taste the difference. You taste it. Like uh, we had a, I had a talk with a guy the other day, and and it was talking about humus. You know, and humus is almost like a charcoal type of a, a, a product. And okay. It, and basically, what it does is it helps. What it does is it helps the organic matter, the organic and bacteriums cultivate into the soil. Yeah. So you don't need to have high high numbers in nitrogen and everything else because all these little organic little bacteriums eat the food and then give it to basically give it to the to the plants in a better form, mm. so the plants can use it better. Interesting. So the, if you start looking into the organic part, it, it's it's bas- it's science. It's just not it's not. You know, pie in the sky, pie in the sky, or what <laughs> grandma did, and everything else is yeah. actually science 
of how you can make your garden a lot better than just adding nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. Right. Okay. It's, so it's it's making the balance of your of your garden so you have a way better garden. We'll get to our text line as soon as we get past to our next call here, but we're excited to talk to you, Colin, who's in Saskatoon. Hi, Colin. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. What's I your question, question for us? About, I had a question about nematodes. If I need to apply them more than once on the lawn for ants. Um, basically what you do is nematodes, um, a lot of times, some nematodes aren't hardy for our province, but they work really good in our season, right? So what, what are you going after? You're going to sod webworms, cutworms, what are you, ants, what are you going after? Uh, for ants. Ants? Yeah, so the ant ones, most times they'll survive in, in the soil, those nematodes. Uh, but what happens is that if your soil dries, if your if your soil dries down deep enough, in, and we had a real bad drought last year, the nematodes can't survive in in really dry soil. Okay, it has to be moist, and that's why when you get a whole infestation of ants in your in your in your lawn or in your in your soil and your shrub beds and that kind of stuff, they basically, especially where the ant hill is itself, they they because they make so many tunnels, they dry out the soil. It's totally dry. And the nematodes can't get to the to the nest if the soil is dry. So that's why you have to make sure that after a really good rain, or otherwise you need to soak those anthills really well before you apply your nematodes, then they'll go right down. Uh, but if you put, did you put it down last year? I did, yeah. Yeah, if your nematodes, they, have, they need ant eggs, okay, to survive, okay, to be able to keep eating food. And as long as they have ant nests around, but if you got rid of all your ants and then they now reinvest, reinfested from your neighbors or whatever, you may have to reapply. Okay. Okay. Okay, thank you. Perfect. Thanks, Colin. Take care. one 332 8255 Someone like that will know fairly quickly. You'll see the, the uh, very quickly now that the summer's coming again, mm-hmm. you'll see the, the ant nest declining because it takes a little while for them to build up and build up numbers to go after the nest again. Mm-hmm. So you'll see them slowly decline pretty quickly after the soil warms up. Pat in Saskatoon texts us on the text line. It says, I have an eight-year-old Japanese lilac. It's just starting to leaf out, but the leaves are a yellowy-green color uh is the cold weather and the rain to blame yellowy green usually means um new leaves when they first come out they're they're a lot lighter green especially lilacs before they open up and turn a dark green so it could be this a juvenile leaves on it okay although or otherwise it could be just lacking some nutrients and so you just add some 30 tent if they planted last year they said or when did they plant it didn't say sorry otherwise Give it some 30-10-10, yep. and that'll perk them up and green them up. Derrickson Yorkton says, I'm building some garden boxes today. Good uh, good job for the long yep. weekend. Uh, at the lake for some vegetables. How tall? I'm thinking 18 inches with and line it with cardboard as a weed barrier as it'll sit on sand. Should it be a mixture of peat moss, topsoil, and a good planting soil? If yeah. it's sitting so- on sand, you probably want a good... Um, 18 inches to 24 inches of good soil because those roots are going to need a good place to go. Yeah, so anywhere, how, how, how long is a carrot, right? Yeah, right. Right, so you think about all your roots that go down, so you got to think about, you know, your corn is, is you want to, you want minimum 8, 12 inches, that'd be absolutely minimum. But he's thinking eight, 18. If you so. put 18, that'd be way better. Yeah. Way it better. depends okay. what you're doing too. If you're doing more root crops, you want a little bit deeper. If right. you're doing like something like lettuce and herbs, then it doesn't need to be as deep either. Yeah. In terms of sitting on the sand, if it's sitting on sand, That's, it wants as a weed barrier. You don't need a weed barrier nope. down there. No. Nope. You, if it's sitting on the sand, let that drainage go through. 
Okay. Let the drainage go down through the bottom. That's perfect. Excellent. So there you go, Derek. The only reason I put a weed barrier down there is that if you have some big poplar trees right next door to them, you know, or something like that, and you don't want the roots to come up into your your bed because they will grow up into the bed. Right, right, right. Then I'd put that barrier down to keep the roots from coming up into the bottom. Okay. We're going to talk about uh, nematodes one more time here. We're going to go to Choiceland, though, and talk to Tom. Good morning, Tom. Hi, good morning. What's your question for us? I know that that nematodes um, that you can control a lot of different bugs with that, right? Yep, yep. And there's diff- different nematodes for different bugs. Right, but in your garden, though, like, because, like you said, since they got rid of lots of those products, that... Yep. No, you can use nematodes for your for your cutworms and those kind of things. The uh, the the grub out the I think it's called grub out mm-hmm. nematode will work really good. Or if you got ants in your garden, you can use the ant nematode or the ant out nematode as well. Okay. And th- and there's a bunch of different names for different companies that that sell them. There's the uh, there's the one made by Premier and there's one made by um, uh, Natural Insect Control out of Ontario. Ant out ant out is the one made by I think it's, it's Wilson. Wilson's. And so uh, there's there's different ones out there, but uh, but they all do the same job. Yes, because that'd be like you said, good for maybe the worms for your radishes and all that. Uh, no, those are maggots, and the they won't really work with the maggots because what happens? The best thing for the ma- the maggots and your radishes and your onion maggots is because what happens? The fly comes out of the soil. If you you do it, if you're going to do that, you have to put them in late fall so they go after them then because as they're going in into their pupa stage, those worms, okay? But otherwise, in the spring, they they pop out of the ground, they fly around your yard and land on something yellow. And what's yellow this time of the year? It's dandelions, right? And then they wait for you to plant your onions or your radishes, and then they wait for them to pop up. And as soon as they pop up, they go and lay the eggs on the leaves, and then they go down from there. So the best way to stop those the maggots from onions or radishes is actually put a crop cover over top for two weeks, for at least two weeks after you after they pop up out of the ground. If you put that crop cover over top, it'll keep the flies from not landing on, and they'll go to your neighbor's place and land on theirs instead. Okay. Okay. And then you were talking about organic uh, fertilizer. Well, I know years ago I used to use a uh, fish fertilizer. Yep. Right. Perfect. Yep. Perfect. And that's organic and absolutely, and and that seems to work pretty good. I thought. Oh yeah, no, any of those any of those kind of things work awesome. Like it really does. So the um, the yeah the 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 um, fish fertilizers. There's ones that are hen fertilizers. That there's cattle manure. There's the one thing you want to watch for those manures type. You want to don't put too much wherever you're going to plant potatoes. Okay, so any of those organic fertilizers, it's actually it's it's huge of how they work. And there's lots of other ones that. That if you don't want to handle manure, then there's lots of other ones that are in a in a powder or a prill, uh, which is slow release. A lot of the new organics out there too is uh, ones that we've even produced now for called the uh, Home and Garden Excellence, and also the ones from Dirt and Grow, the company out of Winnipeg. Uh, there's a lot of good ones that are made locally that uh, do a good job. And alfalfa pellets is another awesome one, and that's developed by Alfalfa Green Company. That's one of them that does an organic and weed-free alfalfa pellets, and they're made in Norquay, Saskatchewan. So there's there's lots of products out around that do really well. Yes, because I used to use that uh, Alaskan fish fertilizer. Yep, perfect. Yeah, keep using it. Go back. If you have stopped, go back to using it. Perfect. Thanks for your call today, Tom. Hey, thank you. I like your show. Oh, thank thanks. You. Appreciate it. Take care.
1-877-332-8255. And thanks for listening here on this long weekend. We're going to get back to the text line as soon as we get back from this break. we got to take a little break, but we're going to talk with Linda, Terry, Jason, Phyllis. Who, who else? There's so many more here. Riley, uh, Tom in Regina Beach, and many more to come. So stick around. We're going to answer your text when we get back. one 332 This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Hope you're enjoying your long weekend. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. You're listening to Garden Talk, and thanks for joining us here today. We've got lots of text to get through, so we're going to start with some of those. Uh, you can always join the conversation, one 332 8255 Okay, so this is, let's see, the first one we left off with, Linda in Regina. Only a third of my asparagus has come up. Some little shoots have the, the uh, fairy tops without any asparagus. What has happened? I don't trim the fairy stalks down until spring. Just be patient. Mm, okay. Okay. Just be patient. Everything is, a lot of things are like, if you just, even just looking outside here, a lot of things are like anywhere from seven to 14 days behind. Okay. Depending mm-hmm. on, I don't know, where were they, where were they texting from? Uh, Regina. Regina. So yeah, they, they had some cold weather. They had some snow there yeah, late yeah. and everything else. So just, if you want, you can poke around and you can, around the dirt, around the base, and you can see if there's any little, little sprouts coming up, or you can feel the main stem if it feels mushy, then it's not going to come back. Okay. So you can do some little probing if you want, if you want to really check quickly, but otherwise mm-hmm. just be patient. Same thing we're finding right now. A lot of the shrubs and that, they're the hydrangeas, spireas, they're just a little slower to come back and they had a bit of tip kill on them, but they're all coming back from the base. So just be a little bit patient. I always say, if you wait till June the 15th, then you'll know for sure what's happening. And, uh, but on the vegetables, even a little bit earlier than that, like the, the first week of June, you know, you'll know by then. And depending on how old the crop is, you want to make sure you're not trimming those little spikes that come out of the ground until they're about the size of your pinky. Mm. So make sure you leave them up. And until they're the size of your pinky, that's when it's time to harvest. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Terry says or asks, says, good morning. I've got a plum tree that seems to have some dead branches. There's no blossoms on it. Is it okay to cut these branches off now, or should I wait until the fall when the tree is dormant? No, what you can do is you take your pruners yep. and just give the, the bark a bit of a nick, okay? Mm-hmm. And underneath the bark, you'll see if it's green or brown, okay? Yep. If it's still green, leave it, because it might come out yet. If it's, to, if it's brown underneath, just trim it off. And then you keep nicking down until you find the spot where the brown meets the green, and that's where you're going to trim it. Okay. I keep telling my wife this, too. We've got a hydrangea in the back corner, which... It seems to be the last thing that ever does anything in my yard. Yep. She goes, it's dead. I said, no, it's not. Just wait. There's nothing on it. There's no buds, nothing. Yep. But if you just nick the bark with your thumbnail. Thumbnail, yep. It's green under there. Especially yeah. hydrangeas. It's just a soft bark on them, so you yep. nick them with your thumbnail. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Whereas a plum is a little bit harder. You <laughs> might have to nick, just take a pair of pruners and just check it. Okay. Phyllis in North Battleford. The text line here. Uh, can you eat the fruit from a flowering thunder cr- a child tree? Absolutely. Really? It's, they're very tiny, but they're little crabs. You can make jams or jellies out of it. Absolutely. She says, what do they taste like? Well, they would taste like a crab apple yeah, Like then. a crab, more of a sour taste. Okay. Okay, it's not a sweet taste or anything like that. Well, they will be sweet if you leave them longer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because then they start to ferment a bit and they get sweeter. But other than that, uh, but yeah, you can make, it's just a lot of little picking because they're, you know, they're about... Oh, size of a cherry. They're about the size of a cherry, right? 
uh, depending on variety. But Thunderchilds are about the size of a cherry, a larger cherry. And uh, but some yeah. people will take the stem out of them, throw them in their Vitamix, and make a little like jelly out of yep. them or something. Jelly. Oh, yep. that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, awesome. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Alan Regina says, "Good morning. I've reseeded spots in my south facing lawn several years in a row. It grows and looks good all year, but when the winter comes, it kills it for the spring. What can I do, or what is a hardier grass seed to plant?" Okay, so it depends on the sun or shade. So make sure you pick the right type of seed for the right type of area. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's number one big. Make sure you get a good mix of grass seed, which has Kentucky blues, fesc- uh, but has to have fescues in it too. Mm-hmm. And one thing you'll notice, a lot of them have an annual rye in them. So the annual rye is what comes up and gets your lawn nice and green and grows a little bit taller, protects the other Kentuckys and fescues, but then it dies out every winter. Okay. Okay, that's an annual. Otherwise, you're going to get one that has a little bit of perennial rise in it too. But if you get the the fescues and the Kentucky blues, and it has to be the the Canada number one mix. Hey, Basically, that's what we look for. That's the ones that are hardy. I noticed this year for the first time that our favorite producer of fertilizer around here, <laughs> which is uh, Groundskeeper, Groundskeeper, yep, they is also making grass seed now. They made a new grass seed, yes. And there's a both a sun and a shade version that they make. That's correct. And that is made for our. Province in for, our province yep, for our province for our province as well. So yeah, it's groundkeeper grass seed, absolutely. Yep. So so if you're looking for that, I guess the other and, option and it's, and it's coated so that it actually will germinate faster too. That's right, it's much much more faster. The other option for Al is to actually use a, a you know a, a a blade, a knife, cut some of the old sod out and put some new sod yep. pieces in. Buy one roll yep. of sod and but, go patch it, says it up. It's right? dying in the winter time, and so there's a couple things you want to check: is is don't leave your lawn too short for the winter time. It okay. should be still about an inch and a half, and uh, and also check the pH of your soil. Okay, that's another big one. We're going to take a quick break. News update for everybody right now. And back to the text line. You can always join the conversation at one 332 8255 This is Garden Talk on 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. Welcome back to hour number two of Garden Talk on this May long weekend. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke and Dyke. It's the big weekend for pretty much everything, right? I mean, like planting the garden, getting out there, getting shrubs and trees and, and that the, sort of and thing. And the temperatures across Saskatchewan look like they're just going to get nice. I mean, they're talking about like 25 degrees by Thursday. So it's amazing weather. Hey, you know, I should bring this up because it's something we've talked about in the show before. And it's always a good point because if this is the weekend, truly that a lot of people are planting stuff, they're going to the garden centers they're buying, you know, everything. It's also a good time to mention, pick the right plant for the spot. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Because I mean, yeah, flowers are one thing they might last this year, or maybe you have Perennials, that's fine. Yep. But if you're planting shrubs or things like that, oh, or I, you're going to plant a tree this weekend. I get that so much, especially with trees, but especially little evergreens, like little cedars and that kind of stuff. They, they go to the store and they find them at the store and they're a cute little plant. Oh, does not look cute? And then they, they go and plant and they don't look at the label. And it might be woodwardy globe cedar. Mm-hmm. Well, it grows six by six and they plant it right in front of their window. And so now, you know five, six, seven years down the road, it's covering up half their window, right? Yeah, and when you're planning, you want to make sure you leave space for the plant too. So that's when the annuals and perennials come in really handy because you can put those in between as companion plants to sort of make it look fuller for you. Put a pot with some flowers next to it until the plant gets big. But you're not planting them side by side and later on you're like, oh gosh, what have I done? So so like the same thing, that same little plant, if you would have looked next door to that and looked at the tag, you would have seen instead of wood water, you would have found a little giant. And a little giant would have grown onto the maximum of three feet tall and perfect plant for the perfect place, right? Mm-hmm. So just watch your, you know, do some research. Just don't, just don't buy a plant on, oh, that looks cute. And, um, yeah. and, 
And the same thing, I see that all the time, people planting in their yards. I get in pictures all the time of trees that are in trouble, you know. And they show me a picture, and these, these big spruce trees, as a windbreak in their backyard, you know, are planted like six feet apart. Well, like crashing now, into each other. They're, they're 30 feet high right now, 20, 30 feet high, and they're just all crashing, and, and they're just they're suffering because there's competition, right? They can't, they're fighting for water, they're fighting for nutrients, they're fighting for everything. Yep. Right, so they're just they're, and they're suffering now. Insects and disease get into that stand, and so, but they look really small. They they were six feet apart. There was lots of room, right? But, mm-hmm. That's right. But not not twenty years down the road. So the pick. other thing to watch for is the zone. So we're a zone two to three. Yes. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you're flipping that tag over too and checking that zone because a lot of times there'll be like box stores or things like that that will have plants that come in from other climates that aren't hardy here. That's right. So those are great for maybe an ornamental to put in a pot for the season and enjoy them for the season, but not to survive the winter. And a lot of garden centers have those, some of those zones, like zone four, but they're meant to plant in the older areas of the city. And a lot of times they'll tell you that. They're not going to plant it out in the new suburbs out where there's no trees or anything else. Yes. Because they won't survive. Like you're not going to put a red rocket maple, which is a beautiful red maple that stays up narrow, in a front yard in a, in the outer outskirts of the city where the new housing is. But in the if you're planting uh, into the into the inner city with lots of other trees around, they're fine because there's what we call microclimates. Right. Right. So it's a little warmer in those areas, and those plants can survive great there. So um, yeah. So just watching and, and have conversations, do some research, have some conversations with the experts at whatever garden center yeah. you're going to go to. When you're going this weekend, exactly. and you're picking stuff up. Make sure you're just picking the right stuff. That's and, all. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know what? Support your local greenhouses out there. I mean, every town in Saskatchewan. We're listening from all over the province here. Every town has a little greenhouse or the greenhouse in the town next door support support your local greenhouses they do a lot of work and they do su- support the communities that you're in so yeah support those local greenhouses all over around saskatchewan one 332 8255 let's go to north battleford right now and talk to darcy hi darcy hey good morning how's it going good how are you not too bad i've got some strawberries i planted probably about 10 years ago you know, a little tree system i had set up in my garden and since then, they've kind of all moved out of that area and taken over the rest of my garden. They're continuing to move away. Is there any way I can reinstate them back to where they were? Like, is there a reason they moved out of there? Like, so even the ones that stayed there kind of died off. So they're kind of traveling. Now, one thing, if you actually look at how a strawberry ranch does it, they yep. actually trim off um, the the runners on them and replant them, and they get the most harvest out of the new plants that are planted yep. every year. And so, a lot of them will take them in and cold storage them for the wintertime and plant them out in the spring. Okay, that's so, what a lot of them will do so as that's well. That's a good, a good thing to do is if you just have the old plants and they're just spreading and spreading and spreading, you're, the energy is running out of the plants. So you want to trim off those runners and actually transplant them. And you want them to be spaced at at least one to two foot centers. Um, and then you'll get the maximum growth on them and yep. maximum fruit as well. And then make sure you're building up your compost and all, all those energy because they, they also lose energy. They steal energy from, from the soil. And so if you're not adding in alfalfa pellets or an organic fertilizer or fish fertilizer or what we talked about all during the show, if, or just a, even a compost working into the, some of the soil in those areas, your plants will do, your strawberry plants will do way better and actually taste better too. Great. Sounds good. Okay. Perfect. Thanks, Thanks Darcy. Take care. Have a good day. 1-877-332-8255. Let's go back to the text line because there's tons of text to talk about here today. So uh, let's go to Riley's text, I think it is. And it's Riley in Battleford. I've got an emerald cedar and a maple tree, but I'm not sure what kind of maple it is. I'm just wondering when's the best time to trim and prune them. 
Maple trees, you're going to never prune in the spring. You're going to wait till the leaves are out full, okay? So the fully expanded leaves, and that usually means, I always, I always say if you wait till the end of June, then, and then from there until the end of September, you can prune a maple, okay? Okay. The emerald cedars, as long as you're just trimming the tips, you can do it right now because they're going to start putting out their new growth here starting around June the 1st. That's when they're really going to start growing, okay? They're just, evergreens are just starting to wake up now. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to just do a light trimming, remember with the evergreens, you only trim in so you still see green. If you trim it that far in where you just see sticks, it's going to take many years for them to come back again. Yeah, okay. my evergreens have seeds all over the edge of them. Yep. That's from stress, That's from I stress. believe. And yes. I can just trim those off, You right? can trim all those seed pods off. And sometimes be careful because if you have to trim them off, you have to trim too much off. Okay. Sometimes you might take a hand pruners in and just clip them off too, rather mm-hmm. than just taking a pair of hedge clippers. You might not be able to get them all, but okay. uh, but yeah. Then if you notice a lot of seeds there again, start fertilizing and and especially the drought we had last year, keep them moist, not wet. Don't go the other way. Uh, keep them moist, and then you won't have so many seeds the next year. Tom is in Regina Beach and asks us what uh, what's the time frame to apply Bordeaux and Ambush to shrubs and Carragana? Okay, so th- this the reason why you're doing the Ambush for is because you're trying to stop aphids and insects okay so you always always say for aphids you want to get the first generations so as soon as the leaves pop out the aphids have the aphids have hatched as soon as it's warm enough okay and they're going to be born with asexual they're born pregnant and then then they're going to give birth after the eggs for the rest of summertime and then multiple generation in weeks Wow. So you want to get the first generations, you have less problems all summer long. Bordeaux with the Caraganas, uh, I think what they're trying to do with the Bordeaux... Probably prevent the fungus, hey? Well, they're trying to powdery mildew yeah. with the Caraganas. So uh, you could use Bordeaux. What might work better for the fungus is use garden sulfur, which would be better for a garden with a, with a, mil, with a powder mildew. Okay. And that will work good with that reason. Well, and you also, I, I read a little part where someone, what they did is they took some milk, and a little bit of water, and they mixed it together. Really? And the protein in the milk took away the powdery mildew. I've heard that, too. Um, so, the other thing is, remember, powdery mildew spreads by spores. Yes. So you want to make sure that you are um, washing your hands and not using the same gardening gloves that you would just continue gardening, especially if yep. you're doing vegetable gardening. So I sometimes will just use my bare hands when I'm doing that or use a pair of disposable yep. gloves and then continue on in my garden so I'm not spreading those spores. Yep. Hey, the other half a text uh, from Tom here was, is it safe to use untreated sawdust and shavings from wood millings at the base of pine trees? Yes, it works fine um, because basically it'll just keep the weeds down. Yep. Uh, if you can, don't use any fabric underneath. Put it about three inches thick, right? And yep. and that'll keep the weeds out. And then actually as they break down, it gives food for the plants. works awesome. There you go. We're going to take a quick break, but Sean is in Pike Lake. We're going to get to his text. How do you cut down, uh, cut down a, a variety of trees? Because he's got some to take care of. Yes. We're going to talk about an orchid plant. And something going on with the leaves with that with Rita, who's in Saskatoon. But guys, just hang on the line. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. I'm Jay Thomas with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Time to get those hands dirty. It's May long weekend, getting into the garden, getting the, you know, shrubs and trees planted, grass cleaned up, everything. This weekend, the thumb, the thumb should be brown. It's not a green thumb. It's green later on as you, <laughs> as you get the bounty of your harvest, but uh, right now it is br- going to be brown in the soil. One thing, Jay, I was walking through the vegetable department and talking to a lot of my growers, and I, if you're walking, vegetables are such a huge trend just because of the whole yeah. food security and everybody wanting to plant. So just in case people are a little nervous, let they 
see some of the benches empty. Um, plants are still coming. Just okay. got off the phone with one of my growers just now, and he says, Jill, just want to let you know the cucumbers are still coming. More tomatoes are coming. So if you walk through, the season is just starting. That's right. So um, we have lots more but vegetables But everybody, coming. what happened, though, is that everybody has been saying, okay, I'm going to let the greenhouses take care of the plants because it's been too cold. Yeah, right. Okay, so what happens, though, is that the greenhouses have to replenish. Like, they get a second crop, everything else. So no one picks up that first crop, and then they all of a sudden, everybody comes in this week. The benches are in the greenhouse are going to be empty until the, they can get caught up and we grow gotta another crop. we got to wait for the next set of crops to so grow. So there's going right. to be some place everybody's going to say, uh-oh, I missed out on that special variety of jalapenos that I wanted to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And so you might have to wait. So, so I said... Don't wait too long to get your plants. That's <laughs> We need that first crop to move out yep. so the second crop can move in. That's right. There's only so much space in all yeah. these places. so much space. Okay, we're going to get to the text line in a second here, but first we've got people waiting patiently on the phone lines. Out in Pike Lake is Sean. Hi, Sean. Hey, good morning, you guys. Good morning. Good morning. I've got a, a cabin nested in a whole bunch of trees out here. Yep. Really, It's really a beautiful spot, except my it's a lot of carragana, Saskatoons and choke cherries, and they've grown so tall that nothing grows underneath them, and it's kind of an eyesore because all you can see is sticks. Yep. When you're in the middle of it, so I'd like to. I'm not sure if I can, but trim them all back down and let them green up. Yeah, where, where are you calling from? Low. He's in Pike, Pike Lake. Pike Lake. In Pike Lake. Okay, so Pike Lake, everything's starting to bud out already. Okay. So yeah. it's almost you can you can you can what I would suggest for this year if you want to go in there just thin them out a bit, okay? You can't just yeah. cut them down right now anymore, okay? Because it'll be hard on the plants, okay? Because they're pushing all the saps up right now, trying to push new leaves out, okay? Yeah. But you can go in there and thin them out a little bit, and then what you can do in the fall, and then you can go and cut them down to whatever height you want. If you want to bring them down to four feet tall or whatever, you can do that, no problem. But right now, I just go in and just thin them so that you got you. Can, it's not doesn't look so thick. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So good, take yep. some branches out in the middle and those kind of things. You can do that, but don't just go and cut the whole bush down. That'll be too hard on it this time of the year. Okay, so wait okay. till fall. Wait, wait till fall or next spring. Fall or early next spring is like when there's still snow on the ground almost. Okay, so in March or March or the first week of April. Okay. Okay. Perfect. And then, then don't forget, you're not going to get Saskatoon berries for probably three years after that. Okay? That's okay. It's just to get them to yep. look nicer yep. for now because it's, it's a yard, right? Yep, not so a problem. Saskatoons would come back. Yep. And what about what about lilacs? They'll come back as well. How? how I've cut how mine almost down. Turn? I've cut mine almost from 12 feet almost down to like two feet, and they've done no problem. The next year. And then oh, yeah, they'll grow too. like crazy. They yeah, didn't have they didn't have flowers for three years, but then they'll grow. They'll, they will have flowers again, and they will grow like crazy. Especially if you fertilize. Yeah. Especially if you fertilize. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Well, Thanks, thank Sean. You very much. You're welcome. Okay, have a great guys. day. All right. Bye bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We'll get back to that text line, but we got to talk to Rita, who's in Saskatoon. Hi, Rita. Good morning. Good morning. I was wondering if you could tell me why an orchid would have a brown streak in the middle of the leaf. Well, there's a few things that can cause browning on the leaves or changing color leaves. One, it, that thing that I usually will see a brown streak in there is if you pull your plant out of your pot. Is it blooming right now? No. 
No. So now is the perfect time to have a look at the root system. So pull it out of the pot, take the moss and bark away from it and have a look at the roots. Um, and I would trim away any rotting roots. A lot of times we'll start seeing browning on the leaves if there's too much moisture in the pot. And, and the, the roots will be mushy. They'll be, that's, they'll be, they won't be a nice, nice, uh, almost like a white color. They'll be like a, they'll be like a mushy color, you know, like a gray. So that's, okay. that's one thing that you can you can do is just sort of look at the root system, plant it back into the pot, watch your watering. Um, if the leaf is really bad on it, then what you can do is you can trim the trim the leaf right at the base, and then it will help it so it doesn't spread throughout the whole plant if there's a fungal problem. Yeah. On okay, it. so is a quarter of a cup every week too much water? It all depends. I can't do an amount. It all depends on what your area is needing because every household will require a different amount of water. So, yeah, well, in the wintertime, it's so dry. Yeah. yeah, so you're really sticking your finger into that soil and you want it to fill with orcas, dry to the touch, and you're, you want to provide a humid environment. So putting a pebble tray around it, which is just a tray with some pebbles and some water sitting in it, and then that water will evaporate around the plant. Yep. Oh, thank you very much. And You're also, welcome. and also, when you repot it, make sure you get an or go to a garden center somewhere and pick up an orchid bark mix, because what you probably are still planted if you bought that if it's still in the same soil you bought it in is more of a a, 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 moss. a moss mix, and that will keep too much moisture around the plant. Okay, so make sure you use an orchid bark mix is very important. A lot of times they use that moss more for transport because it will hold the pot right. the plant really nice and tight, but it does retain too much moisture yep. for longevity. I put my my orchid into the bark mulch, yep. Yep. and what I do is the it's in a plastic sleeve inside of the pot. Yes, you pull it out, you water it, you you soak it yep. for about ten minutes, you pull it out of the pot and you put it back into the sink, just a plastic sleeve with the plant and the bark mulch. Yep. It's got holes in the bottom, it all drains out, and then the bark mulch holds just some moisture, but it's not sitting in water now. Exactly. Okay, now I want you to also tell right, this, this listener right here, Jay, you almost get your, your orchids blooming nonstop. Nonstop. How I do have, you do that? I have 25 blooms on it right now. Okay, so how do you 25 get... flowers on my one. It has two stakes holding it up because it's so big. What do you give it to? What do you give it to? It, it simply gets, so it lives on my glass yep table in the middle of my living room what do you feed it orchid orchid food food you yeah there fertilize. is an orchid fertilizer and yep. i use actually i use it every time every time i water it i yep. use it yep. every all year round and i've never it's never taken a break so i've had it for six or seven years yep. and it only it's never stopped having flowers so when the when the brack is finally finished and all the flowers are dead, by the time I cut it off, oh look, there's another one coming up, there and it's go. right there, and it's sending out a new one with another 25 orchid flowers. Jay on it. also sits and reads and sings to the orchid too. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, the orchid guru. I have a theory though, because that window that it's in, it's it's not in the window; it's in the middle of the living room. Yeah. Faces south, yes. and I think because it's on glass, the glass maybe reflects some light up into the into the into the leaves i have had a problem with the brown and the leaves but the problem is well or i should say the thing is with mine that it's got like eight leaves on it at any time eight big leaves yeah so by the time the new ones are coming out the bottom ones are kind of just sort of finished so yeah. they get a bit of brown tips on them you trim them off and there's another two leaves popping okay, out of it so now everybody just listening i gotta tell you a little story because you've got a guy sitting across from me that basically he likes gardening and he's done a bit of the garden he worked for me for about four or five years or whatever that's right a long time ago when he's a kid and uh but he's basically a car guy okay that's, that's he's basically a car guy you know like gets his hands greasy and oily and everything else <laughs> and here's a guy that can grow an orchid like that so and Anybody you should see his smile ear to ear right now. <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. That's nice. Yeah, I'm. I'm, and it's and it's not even like something fancy. It's from a grocery store. 
That's where it came from. Yeah. It's a Phalaenopsis orchid. It's a, it's a white Phalaenopsis orchid. Yep. And I asked the, the people at the at Gardenscape one year, yep. so I have like 25 flowers on my orchid. Is that doing good? And their their jaws hit the floor. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> I think you got the perfect environment. Yeah. Right. Perfect so, environment. There you go. It must, it must be. It just keeps yeah, going. Orchids are, people are scared of orchids. They're... <laughs> They they bloom like crazy all the time. Like and so, if they take a rest, then then usually that means that the type of soil they're in, or the pot they're in, or the watering, or whatever. But otherwise, they might take a rest for a month, but then sometimes two months maximum, and then they should be getting blooming again. All I can say is that the ice cube thing doesn't work for me. No, yeah. I, I know that that's that. kind of like a, an urban myth that goes around. Oh, yeah. give it an ice cube. No, soak the whole thing, let it drain. Put it back on where it's supposed to go, and exactly. in, in, in when it's yeah. dry, do it again. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Ice cube. Don't worry more about the ice cube thing. No, don't no. do the ice cube thing. No. Not a good idea. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Thanks, guys. That was fun. Uh, Jerry <laughs> in Saskatoon. We're going to talk to Mark, who's in Emerald Park. Linda in Saskatoon. Oh, we're going to talk about getting rid of ants with borax. That works, too. Yep. Uh, Barry, Andrew, lots of text to get through here, so we'll get to those when we get back. News update right now. I'm Jay Thomas with Rick and Jill Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Hope you're enjoying your long weekend, getting outside, getting into the dirt, getting things going. It's May long weekend. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke, and we're excited to be helping you out with uh, things that are maybe not going quite so right in your yard. You want to correct this year, and today is kind of the day to do it. So uh, let's talk about... This from Jason in Maryfield. We're going to go to the text line right now. one 332 8255 It says, good morning. A rhubarb is about five inches tall, and it is already putting out seed shoots. Is there a way to prevent this? As my neighbor's rhubarb uh, rarely has any shoots. Usually it will put out seed if it's being stressed, because um, the cycle of it is to produce the seed so that it can reproduce at sort of like the peak of its life. So getting some fertilizer and water to it will be really important. Yep, not too much water, though. Not, they like to be more exactly, dry. Exactly. Sandier okay, soil. Sandier soil. So they might have, the reason why it might put seed out, too, it might be too moist. Mm. Okay. So that's what you got to watch out for. And if it's a really old one, I'm not sure how old this one is, but then uh, what you should do next year is actually dig it up in, in middle of April or as soon as the ground, the frost is out of the ground, mm-hmm. and actually split it. Okay. And they actually like that to be split. So, and just split it, uh, even if you split into two, it's amazing the, how that will rejuvenate that plant like a lot. And if you don't have space, give half of it to a friend. Yep. Yeah. I guess it makes sense why, you know, rhubarb was grown in back alleys so often. Yep. Because that was the drier place. It was a drier mm-hmm. spot. You know, it got splashed from some water from a car going by or something like that, in, but that was in it. in the nursery where I had a row, row of them, and then I actually ended up, uh, it would end up, when I harvested it, there were still some obviously pieces of roots left in the ground, and I actually happened to be where the a road ended up being right where it was. And these things are growing up in the roadway; like <laughs> they're very tough, and they just like yeah. the, there was no water there at all. It was just dry, and you'll see a lot of times rhubarb in old farmyards. There's like no house old, left. Old abandoned farmyards. Yeah, you'll see right. a rhubarb growing. Rotten old house, right? but there's a nice patch of rhubarb yep. there still. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. Jerry, tough. exactly. Jerry in Saskatoon says, good morning. I'm looking to plant some trees along our fence line for privacy. Something fairly fast growing that I won't regret down the road, as in like not interested in like a towering poplar. He's in Saskatoon. So something narrow. There's a couple of plants you can put in there. One's called... It's a parkland pillar. I'm, I'm saying parkland pillar. Nope, Dakota very, Pinnacle. Or, no, I'm saying parkland pillar birch very, very sparingly because they're short supply this oh, year. Oh, okay. 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 They're hard to find. Okay. Right across Western Canada. 
And so, um, so Parkland Pillar is a narrow one, a narrow one about maximum six feet wide. Yep. That's a maximum. Uh, so that works good and grows like 30 feet high. Dakota Pinnacle, about nine, same plant, okay, only a little bit wider. Lots of those available, about nine feet wide. Otherwise, there's other plants like, um, uh, if you don't want, you can put an, uh, an aspen in, but put the one called Guardian. It doesn't have, get uh, bronze leaf disease. Okay. Otherwise, you can put the upright cedars in, like the Skybound or Homestrop. Skybound is six feet wide. Homestrop cedar is four feet wide. And then there's a couple other plants, too, like the um, uh, prairie spire flowering crab. Or there's a, there's a green spire and there's a midnight spire. They're all in very narrow, like two to three feet wide. Of of a of a and has pur- some of purple leaves, some of green leaves, pink flowers, and or some have pink flowers, some have a little red flowers, and then they they really narrow too and actually give you some color as well. Okay, uh, let's go to this text from Mark, who's in Emerald Park. We go back to the orchid thing for a second. Good morning. We've got an orchid that is in full bloom right now. It does need to be transplanted to a larger pot. When's the best time to do that? You and never, is there a size size restriction? Yeah, you never want to transplant an orchid when it's blooming because it might stop blooming for you and the, it will stress the blooms that are already there. So after it's finished blooming, um, you can take it out of its pot and you they like to be in quite a smaller small pot, um, but you can go up about an inch in diameter mm-hmm. at a time if you want to. And then make sure you are laying it with, layering it with an orchid mix as well too. So there you okay, go. There you go. Uh, let's go to this one, Linda in Saskatoon. Can I move my lily in my garden now or do I have to wait till fall? If it's already started to sprout, I'd wait till fall. Um, it's something you usually want to do when the lily is dormant. I've moved them, but what I've done is I've done carefully dug around the plant. Take a really big and root take ball. A, and with the shovel, I, I have a hole dug already, and with the shovel, I'll get underneath it, and I'll move it with the shovel and move it to my new spot with lots of dirt around it and try not that make it so that that dirt ball does not break apart around it. And I've done that because I've done I've done that in weird time of the years because it it's either that or destroy it. So I just said, well, let's just try it. Yeah, and, and sometimes you have a big nursery pot yep. that's ready to to hold that if you've got to carry it away. You've got to carry it away. Yeah. So okay, so it can be done. All right, Pat in Saskatoon or rural Saskatoon says, I have an ants in my kitchen for the last week trying ant traps. I thought they were all gone, but they're back. I need a cure. Try the borax syrup combo uh, that didn't and and the borax and sugar didn't work. Okay, that's interesting because it's worked for me in the past. But what else is there? It's in the kitchen, though. It's the kitchen. So um, there's lots of there's also little traps and most of them have like a like an ant bait in them. Yep. So that's probably the best one. Or if you know where they're traveling. You can use a product called uh, either diatomaceous earth, and you can sprinkle it in where they're where they're as soon as they walk through it, it gets into their joints and dehydrates them. Okay. Or you can spray a little product called Doctor Doom. Got to be careful with that because it can take color out of things. Yes. Doctor Doom. It can only go on certain yeah, th- things. I always say whenever you try anything you're spraying, yes, go to a corner and spray it and let it dry and see whether it discolors anything outside or inside. Right. Okay. Yeah, I know that Dr. Doom is not safe for, like, say, vinyl siding. Yeah, exactly. Because you'll stuff. have a little, you'll have a, you, it'd be like putting graffiti on the side of the house, <laughs> right? So. so, and you know what, maybe, Pat, you know, there's, so there's some, some options like that. Yep. Don't give up on the borax and, and, uh, and syrup yet. It may take longer than a week, yep. right? But, because all those, that bait, even if you could buy, buy commercial bait, yep. it's going to be carried back from the ants all the way back to the queen exactly. and fed to the queen. And then that whole process of the whole anthill dying yep. has to happen. It might take longer than a week, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Especially if it's a big anthill. Yep. So 
Just keep that in mind. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Let's see who's this from. Not sure, but it says uh, tilling keeps walkways loose. Then I pick the weeds. Second year for onions with potatoes, hoping it works in consecutive years. So we talked about the potatoes planted with onions yep. and not getting potato bugs. Yep. So somebody's had some luck with that. Thanks Ooh, for letting us know. Go. That's good. Perfect. Uh, Barry, I bought a two-year-old asparagus, but have not put it in the garden yet. It has grown three inches a day. <laughs> it's they, three feet tall. Ours in the greenhouse, some of them are five or six feet tall already. <laughs> and that's just normal for them. Um, it, usually it takes about a good three-year three plant, three- to four-year plant, till you're getting good harvests out of them. So plant it into the ground. Leave those lovely okay. spikes up. That's what he's asking. Should I cut it Cut it or let no, it grow? leave yeah. it, leave yeah. it, leave it. And you want to leave it until they those spikes become the width of your finger. So you, it will die back down to the ground in the fall and then it will come back up again. Now, and, if it's been inside, you still want to do the hardening off, just like you do other okay. big plants, yep. okay? So then harden it off, put it outside during the day, bring it in at night, uh, because otherwise you put it outside and it goes down to like one degree or something like that. Uh, even the asparagus will say, mm, what are you doing? Right, right. <laughs> you know? But they're really tough. Once you have them in their spot, they're going to be there for a long, oh, time. long time. So make sure you plant them on a foot and a half to two foot centers and, in your garden. And don't plant them too deep. Mm-hmm. That the crown has to be sitting just at the ground mm-hmm. level, okay? okay? So don't plant that crown way down deep. Andrew in Saskatoon. Hi, Rick and Jill. I recently transplanted an amber ornamental cherry tree into the ground from a pot. So far, the new leaves look okay. I gave it a good initial watering and put mulch around the base. Should I fertilize or not and when? What fertilizer, fertilizer do I use? I found mixed reviews online about this. Okay, so, so it's a flowering crab? Orna- right? Ornamental cherry tree, amber, or- amber cherry. Okay, yeah. amber cherry. So... So basically, uh, you can see if it had a root system that you can start fertilizing. And what you what I like doing, you can use any fertilizer you want, 20, 20, 20, 30, 10, 10, on organic fertilizer, any of those. But if you're going to use that, like the other uh, water soluble ones, mm-hmm. if it's if it's if you just put it into the ground, just go half strength. Okay. And it'll be fine. All and right. do that every three weeks, not every every watering or anything else. Every three weeks from Mother's Day until July 15th, and then stop. Hey, does does powdered fertilizer go bad? As long as it doesn't get wet, it's fine. Even if it's, say, a little bit clumpy, but you mix it back just, in with the water? Bang it. I, I get hard bags all the time of big bags of fertilizer, and yep. I, just, I just do the body slam thing with the bags on the ground <laughs> okay. and break it up, and away I go again. But, but like the, the NPK fertilizer, though, if it's 10, 15, 20 years old? Uh, the only thing, that what, if it's not in a bag or not in a sealed container, yeah. the nitrogen can evaporate if it's just sitting out in the open air. Okay, so no, but if it's a sealed... Seal your, seal your containers, it'll be fine. It'll last for a long okay, time. Okay, good. Good to know. Okay. I got some old stuff I inherited from some from some family members, yep. and I've been using it. I was just, thinking, like, hmm, yep. maybe it's not any good. Should be a sealed container. It is. Yeah, it's like a pail. Yep. So, uh one 332 8255 Hazel in Regina says, great program. Thanks, Hazel. Should I put rhubarb leaves into my compost bins? Yeah, that that's fine. I mean, that, that'll work. I mean, some of the rhubarb leaves are actually not good to eat, right? Obviously. The, the stalks are good, but not the leaves. Okay, yeah. so But putting it to compost, it'll just break down. It's fine. So leaves into the compost? Yep. Go for it. Absolutely. We're going to get back to all the texts. We've got uh, Marilyn in Foam Lake. Who else? Tim in Moose Jaw. Uh, Carol, Swift Current. So many more as well after this. So we're going to keep going with texts when we get back. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. It is the lightning round on Garden Talks. 
Welcome back. This is the May Long Weekend, and I hope you're getting into the garden, getting your you know plants planted, the garden itself planted. It's an exciting, exciting weekend, and even some pretty decent weather around the province. It's you know? been really busy, like in the, in the tree and shrub lot too. Like people have been just hauling stuff out and planting in their yards, so everybody's excited about getting out into their garden. Totally, mm-hmm. not not just the vegetable garden, but their whole. Their whole yard. Their whole yard. Yeah. Yep. Making yeah. it their oasis. Exactly. Let's take it to the text line here. We've got quite a few to get to. Marilyn in Foam Lake says, good morning, help. Love your show. How do I get rid of ants along the cracks in the sidewalks and cement blocks bordering the house? That's tough because the, the, the nematodes don't work in those spots because you have to soak the area first and always underneath the blocks that there's, there is bone dry underneath there. So you can't get the, you can't, the nematodes won't be able to get there. Yep. Um, that's the problem with those ones. So all you can really do is put your ant traps out. Yes. And or otherwise on the on the uh where they come out of the just surround them with a little bit of Dr. Doom, the pyrethrin. Yes. And spray it onto the onto the um onto the pads of the concrete pads and then when they cross it they die. Perfect. Uh Donna in Saskatoon says I got a spruce tree in my or next to my garden. It drops a lot of needles into my garden soil. Yes. Should I be adding anything to the soil to solve the acidity? No, you're not gonna it, Around around most of Saskatchewan, unless you're up north or something like that, if you want, the best thing to do is just get a quick little pH tester kit. You need to get some distilled water. You can't use tap water to do this test. Uh, it has to be distilled water. And then you just check, see what it is. But most times it's not going to be an issue at all. More times it's an issue because you just get so many needles that, you know, just it's just... T- taking so much nutrients out of the soil to break down all those needles, yeah, and it's too much competition, you know, like almost like a like a weed barrier, you know, right. And so that's usually the problem more than anything. So that and you, also you, nothing else grows underneath there because there's just not enough moisture. Well, too. moisture the the, the if the pine, if it's that rain at the pines, the pines are just sucking all every bit of moisture they can because you're watering those vegetables or whatever you have there, flowers, mm-hmm. and the pine and the pine tree or spruce tree is saying, oh, thank you, right. <laughs> Right. right, right. You're watering this spot. I'm going to send more roots into that spot, mm-hmm. and that's usually the more of the issue. So okay. you can clean up some of the, your 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 needles so that you just don't have a mat that nothing will grow there. That's the big thing. But do a soil test. Really simple to do. Tim and Musha. Hi, Rick. Uh, I planted three types of raspberries five years ago. They come up and grow great every spring. Yep. Then the leaves start curling up, turning brown, and they die. What do I do? They're turning up, going, turning brown. There's, there's a couple things that could happen. One, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a basically called the stem bore, and it's a bore that goes into the, into the center stem of the raspberry, and then it hollows it out, makes it like a piece of bamboo almost. You know, okay. the bamboo is hollow in the middle. Yeah, it'll eat out the inside, and then of course, then they'll turn brown in the summer because they're not getting any, any nutrients up. It could be that, or if the stems are turning black. You could have a, a, a basically a, almost like a twig blight. Okay. It's a blight that goes into them. You could have that problem. Or the only other thing is just um, it has to be one of those two, I would think. So, Tim, maybe a good idea is when this starts to happen this spring. Bring a sample in. Yeah, bring a sample or at least get some pictures, some yeah. really good good photos of that. Send yeah. it to rick at dutchgrowers.com. Yeah. And you can uh, take, a look at it. take a look at it that way. Carol and Swift Current, I'm looking for a low-maintenance shrub that's not going to get out of control for the front flower bed of my house that faces south. Any ideas? What kind of plant again? Sorry, say that again. Just any a low maintenance low shrub. Low maintenance shrub. Yeah. Uh, low maintenance shrub against your house. If you want no maintenance at all, get a globe carrigana. Okay. It just grows into a ball about four feet tall. Just That's looks it. like looks like a globe cedar, except for it has leaves on it. Right. 
stays that way, and that's it. It just grows a nice little ball. It's carrigana. It's tough as nails. No maintenance on it all. Just water every once in a while. And it actually looks, it's a nice little shrub. It is. Cool. It's just not used very much because people th- you see here at Carragana. I don't want a Carragana. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, the scourge but it's, of it's the prairies. It's not a normal Carragana. It's a little globe plant. I have one on either side of my step, and they look like little globe cedars. Okay, cool. Uh, uh, Shelly asks, what's the best plant for a septic mound? A, a best plant for a septic mound? Yeah. Uh, nothing. <laughs> okay. You know why? Because all those roots grow into your septic mound and start plugging it up. Okay. Mm, so, just not to put anything on top of a septic mound. Put some pots and plant some flowers. Just, just yeah, put some pots or just have grass growing on top of it, but don't put any plants near it. Uh, eventually, you'll have lots of problems. You know how they talk about in the city where you're getting roots in the sewer pipes? Yes. Well, you'll get roots in your in your pipes in your mound, right. and it'll just plug it up. Uh, this text, not sure who it's from, but says, what do you recommend for an evergreen tree that goes in the backyard along a fence, but I'm worried about it burning out in the early spring because of a warm January? Oh, it's Maury. Uh, don't want to have to wrap it, the evergreen, for the winter. So is there anything that would go, could okay. go in there? So what you could put in there is an upright juniper. Okay. Like a Wichita or a Moonglow or Medora. And it's going to be upright. tough, won't they're, need wrapping. They're, they're tougher. Or if you want a cedar that grows a little bit wider, okay, more of a teardrop shape, you put one called the Warriana. Warriana or Siberian cedar, it's the same thing. Don't need wrapping. And no, tough as nails. I use those, we use them a lot in acreages and that kind of stuff where they have lots of. But open. they get large, right? But they get large. You can keep them trimmed. I've seen some of them kept in a ball four feet round. Okay. And then that's, that's as big as they get because they keep them trimmed that high. There you go. Scott and Saskatoon. When is the time to spray leaf rollers on our trees with BTK? Um, basically, leaf rollers as soon uh, as soon as you see the first leaf curl up. Okay, so basically you're looking at most likely around the middle of June. That's when they'll start popping out. Uh, usually, but just soon as, just keep an eye on them. As soon as you see the first one go. Go for it. Go for it. So it's a good idea to have BTK in your toolbox, probably around that last week of May, so that you have it ready to go for And if you want to, you can spray them a little bit earlier because it stays on the plant, and then as you ingest it, then it gets them then, okay? So So BTK is a natural bacteria. Yeah, it's a bacteria, sort of goes after caterpillars only, okay? Mm -hmm. Okay. I think we can answer this one really fast. Herb and Maidstone have got an older raspberry bush that isn't getting any green leaves yet this spring. Will it still come? Yes, Okay. Most likely, it'll trim, still out, come. trim out the old canes. Trim, trim out the old canes. You'll see them coming from the base. It's a little bit early yet, but most likely it will come right mm-hmm. from the base. Just things are late this year. Yep. And we're pretty much out of time. So if we didn't get to your text, well, totally. we'll answer it. We it's got a 11 few. o'clock already. I know. That was two hours. <laughs> Can you believe it? Thanks for joining us. Hope you have a great uh, long weekend. Enjoy it. Get out there. Enjoy the weather and the planting and everything. Pick the right plants for the space you're yes. putting them in. And otherwise, we will see you next weekend. Thanks happy, again. Happy gardening. Happy gardening. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill. Rick Van Dyven Dyke. Thanks for listening to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.